0: Well, let's go to the book of Matthew that we have been basing ourselves in. This is where we read about the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 to 5. I'm just going to read a a portion of it for you this morning. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, I've got to be really honest with you right from the get-go. I've read the Beatitudes hundreds of times. And every time I read the Beatitudes, I come across blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And I think, cool. Don't really know what that means. Like inheriting the earth sounds awesome, but I don't actually know what that means. I remember when I first started reading the Bible, I was a sprightly 19, 20 year old and I got roped into a junior leadership program at our botany campus. And while I was there, I learned that another word to use instead of the word meek, because I'd never heard that before. Many of you might not have heard the word meek, was the word humble. That made a little bit more sense to me, but it was still a little bit confusing. See, what it means to inherit the earth is a little unclear, but it's also less vital for us to understand. God blesses the meek. That is in our control. That's about who we have to come become and who we are meant to be. God will bless the meek and they'll inherit the earth. See, what God chooses to do and what he chooses to give us is in his hands. So we're going to focus this morning on what we can control understanding what it means to be meek and how we can outlive that in our lives. See, when I think of those that have inherited the earth in a typical sense, what we might assume it to be, I think of the famous, the successful, the influential, the rich. And there's not many of them that I would describe as humble. I was uh, reading just this week of um, a Swedish footballer named Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Now, if you know football, if you know soccer, whatever you follow, it, you know this guy. Like, this guy is really famous. He's not only one of the best to have ever done it, but he knows it. Now, he decided he was going to go and play for a different club in Los Angeles. So upon moving there, he put a post up and said, Los Angeles, you're welcome. That was the nerve of the guy. And so LeBron James, the world-famous basketballer that plays for the LA Lakers, decided in good faith what I'm going to do is he sent Ibrahimovic one of his basketball journeys while Ibrahimovic received this, signed it with his autograph and sent it back to LeBron James. (laughs) Have you ever heard of anything more prideful and arrogant? (laughs) The problem with translating meek to humble is that it doesn't represent the word meek accurately. Not only that, but the word meek doesn't even accurately represent what it was that Jesus was saying originally in the Greek as he opened up that sermon on the mount that fateful day. Now, it seems odd that Jesus would clarify that those that would inherit the earth would be the humble, the gentle, the quiet, the reserved, when at face value, it doesn't seem like that's how the world works. The meek can be seen as someone who's easily walked over, like a doormat. If asked, a typical person today might agree with Mod- Mordred from the musical Camelot, no idea what that is, but they said it's not the earth that the meek inherit, it's the dirt. Sometimes we can see it that way. This morning, I'm going to walk us through some amazing thoughts and considerations by William Barclay. He produced an incredible piece of work that helps us understand and get to the bottom of this beatitude. And I think as we dive into it and explore his thoughts, it's going to really help us all grow today. See, these days, when someone describes someone else as meek, it's hardly an honorable definition. These days, it carries the idea of spinelessness and subservience. It paints the picture of a submissive and ineffective person. And yet in the Greek, the word praus was considered a great ethical word. It's, when someone was explained as praus or meek, it was complimentary. Now, it's usually not too difficult to translate Greek or Hebrew into English, obviously, like, for those who can do it. I can't do it at all. Um, But every now and then you come across a word that doesn't have an equivalent English word. Any people that have English as their second language, you might have discovered the same thing with your native tongue. There are words that are close but not quite right. And William Barclay explains that there are three different core meanings embedded within that original word that we need to explore in order to truly understand the meaning of the word as Jesus spoke it. The ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle, he explained it like this, he said the quality of meekness is to sits somewhere in between two extremes. A happy medium between being excessive towards something on one side and completely lacking and defective on the other. An example he gives is this, he says, on one end you have a person who blows all their money with no regard for the future, and on the other you have a miser who counts every penny and is stingy in every way, and beautifully positioned right in the middle, you have a generous man. Prowse, according to Aristotle, is the middle standing between two extremes, getting angry without reason, which is the word orgolotes, and not getting angry at all, which is orgizia. Prouse is getting angry at the right time, in the right measure, and for the right reasons. Prouse is not easily expressed in English because that term meekness that we often hear suggests weakness, but actually it's a condition of the heart and mind, which demonstrates gentleness, not in weakness, but rather in power. See, a meek person is not a weak person. A meek person has the potential to be incredibly powerful and yet has the control and understanding to know when that's appropriate. And so the first possible translation of this beatitude today might read a little something like this. Blessed is the man who is always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time. And so the first trait of someone who is meek is this. They are powerful but poised. Powerful but poised. Now has anything ever made you angry in this life? Hands up. Of course, Mexican Wave, here it is, everybody, right? Everyone has things in their world that sort of just rile us up a little bit, that grind our gears, you know, like ads at the start of your YouTube video, hmm. I'm like, I'm going boycott that product because you're annoying, I'll never buy it. When you accidentally delete a message or an email and you've got to start all over again. When you forget, forget to put the timer on the oven and you burn your food. When you clip your pinky toe on the coffee table. Oh, now it's getting real. This is the real stuff. When someone steals that car park that you've been waiting patiently for with your indicator on, oh Lord bless them. When somebody says frustrating instead of frustrating, is there anything more frustrating? If are you frustrating? (laughs) Look, people who actually make a difference in this life are people that get angry at the right things and at the right time, but we've all been in positions where we've got that a little bit wrong, right? Myself included. You are a powerful person and you've been wired with the ability to get incredibly angry at things. That's not the honorable trait. The honorable trait and what builds meekness in your life is your ability to contain that power, to harness it and appropriately release it. The other day I saw on the news that there was um, a tragic incident here in Auckland where someone else, where there was a bit of a road raid incident and somebody shot somebody else. What an unnecessary explosion of power. Someone prevented you from changing lanes when you wanted to. Someone delayed your journey by 25 seconds by not letting you pull out of a side street. Someone followed a little too closely in the car behind. And the result of this uncontrolled power was a heinous act of violence towards another person. People like this do not inherit the earth. They inherit a court case and some prison time. Being powerful... But poised means learning to hold your tongue, to count the cost of your actions, to pick your battles and determine, is this one of those hills I'm ready to die on? Now, we should all have a couple of hills that we're ready to die on, some battles that we're willing to fight, but the meek person understands the difference. The suggested translation William Barclay gives is "Blessed is the man who is always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time." I don't think many of us have a problem getting angry at the right things. I think that sort of comes naturally to us, right? Like we see an injustice and it sort of stirs us to take action. When someone disrespects someone that we love, we get angry. When someone blatantly disregards or disrespects the name of the Lord, naturally it doesn't sit right with us. Even Matthew in, uh, Jesus, sorry, in Matthew twenty-one, sees the merchants using the temple to benefit financially. They're running a market and have no regard for the temple to be used as a house of prayer. There is a holy discontent in Jesus' heart, and He makes a whip, chases them out, and flips the tables. Now, there are all sorts of verses that describe the meekness of Jesus, and yet flipping tables in this context was compatible with His meekness. You can be meek and angry, but the release of your anger needs to be rare, calculated, and necessary. We all know how to get angry at the right time, but I think the true challenge of this translation is the second half, right? Not getting angry at the wrong times. I think we so easily undervalue the simple pause and breathe just to take a moment to consider our actions before we take them, consider our words before we speak them. Maybe it's the quickness that we lash out at our children because they're not listening. Maybe it's your public barraging of different leaders or politicians in an unhealthy way. Maybe it's being unnecessarily short and abrupt with that employee at your local cafe or petrol station because you're in a rush and you feel like they should know that. Proverbs seventeen twenty-eight says, even fools are thought to be wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. You are powerful, but it's important to remain poised, to remain considered and controlled, remain in a place where you're positioned and ready because when you do that, you're gonna earn respect, your influence will be potent and when it's time to actually get angry at the right thing and take action, you'll be focused and effective. In the book of Numbers, it says this of Moses, the greatest leader and greatest lawgiver the world's ever seen. It says, now the man Moses was very meek, more than all men that were on the face of the earth. That's interesting because he was described as meek and yet he was far from a bland character. He was no spineless creature. He could be blazingly angry and yet he's still described as someone who's meek. He was a man whose anger, though, was on a leash and to be released when the time was right. Proverbs 16:32. This is cool. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit better than the one who can take a city. So the word praus it has a second uh, standard Greek meaning. It's a word used to describe an animal that has been domesticated, an animal has, that has learnt to obey its master's commands. And instructions. And so the second translation of this beatitude might read a little something like this in English. Blessed is the man who has every instinct, every impulse, every passion under control. Blessed blessed is the man who is entirely self-controlled. Now that's cool, but as you read it, you probably did what I thought you thought. Oh great, well there's me out. Like when you read that, you realize immediately that something probably has to change because that level of complete and flawless self-control is impossible for ordinary people. Shemaine probably could, but for the rest of us ordinary people, we can't do it. It's not so much about the blessing that comes to someone who is perfectly and completely self-controlled, but rather it's about the blessing that comes to a person who is submitted and completely God-controlled. It is only in complete submission to Christ that we find true freedom and peace. And so the second trait of someone who is meek is this, that they are capable but conformed. Capable but conformed. One of the greatest revelations that you'll probably have in your life, myself included, is that we will never be as capable on our own as we would when submitted to God. That being meek is realizing that the fastest way forward is the pace that God would lead you. Maybe you've heard the saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with others. This is just as profoundly true when we consider living our lives under God's authority. So if you actually want to go as far as God intended, go God's way. I could use my skill set. I'm blessed to be a pastor. I love what I do. But I know I could take my skill set and I could go and work in some other industry in the workforce and I would I would do well. I would be probably what the world would consider successful. But my soul cries out for God purpose just like yours does. We're not all called to work in the church. That's a really good thing. Well, we don't have enough budget for that. <laughs> But where God has called you to be, to use what God has given you is just as important. It's gonna look different from what I do, but that's a really good thing. The most important thing is that you never run ahead of what God is asking you to do and you stay submitted to him. God has called you and paid a high price for your life. You are not only his because he made you, you're also his because he bought you. Your abilities, your talents, your dreams, everything that makes you uniquely you is no surprise to God. Use what he's given you, but do it under God's leadership and instruction. Be used for great purpose, but don't overstep your authority. See, in ancient Greek literature, this word "prouse" was used to describe a highly trained warhorse. These horses had become strong and powerful, skillful and calculated, aware, capable, and with unrivaled potential. And they would be led on journeys hundreds of miles across hot terrain. And when they would finally arrive at water, this beast of a horse would stand at the water's edge and just wait. There's no doubt the horse was thirsty. There's no doubt the horse deserved to drink. There's no doubt the horse knew how to drink and yet it was completely submitted to the voice and instruction of its master. The attitude of the war horse was that its own desires came second to its master's. Unbelievable capability and yet completely conformed to its master. This is wrapped in with the very definition of the word that we eventually get to meek. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. When we're willing to take all that we are, all that we're gifted with, all that we're capable of, all of our power, influence, all of our potential, and we determine to only use it as God sees fit, that's when the inheritance will be ours and we'll inherit the earth. But there is a third third possible side that we can approach this beatitude from. The Greeks always contrasted the quality of meekness with the quality of another word that says hapsilokaria, something like that psilocardia, which means lofty heartedness. In other words, they highlighted the opposite nature of meekness and self-focused pride. This is probably where we get that incomplete English translation of humble. That kind of sounds like being humble, not having this self-focused pride. So then the third possible translation of the beatitude is this. Blessed is the man who has the humility to know his own ignorance, his own weakness, and his own need. And so the third trait of somebody who is meek is that they are incomplete, but in Christ. Incomplete, but in Christ. So, you know, without humility, we cannot learn. So the first step to learning is acknowledgement of our own ignorance. Quintilian, the great Roman teacher, he said this about his scholars. He said, they would no doubt be excellent students if they were not already convinced of their own knowledge. No one can teach the man that knows it all already. Without humility, there cannot be love because the very beginning of love is a sense of unworthiness. Can I tell you one of the most special and warming things about being loved by Darcy is that it's possible for her to go and show that love to someone better than me, and yet she chooses me. Sure, I I commit back to her. You know, I do my very best to honor her as my wife, respect her, serve her, but with all the mistakes that I make, and you're not allowed to ask her what they are. (laughs) She tells me there's heaps, so I included that. With (laughs) With all the mistakes that I make, I receive love far beyond what I deserve. And being loved by God and being moved by that starts with a humble realization that we don't deserve the slightest bit of it. This concept builds upon, remember what we covered in the first beatitude, that reads, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit and realize their need for him, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To the one that realizes that the stakes have just been lifted, because at first you were promised the kingdom of heaven. The one that realizes the need for God is promised the kingdom of heaven, but now you're also promised the earth. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is being perfectly positioned between being filled with pride and self-assurance and being so lowly that you don't make the most of the life that God has given you. Paul put it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, from verse 8, that he was wrestling with this thing that the Bible calls a thorn in his flesh. Now, we likely understand it not to be a physical, actual thorn in his flesh. And we don't know what it was, but it was something that he wanted out of his life. And he kept going before God saying, get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. And he says this in verse eight to 10. Three different times I beg the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness, says Paul, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, those who humble themselves before the Lord will be lifted up in honor. But those who elevate themselves in pride will be humbled back down. We saw this with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They ate the fruit that they weren't meant to eat. They allowed pride to set in and they were humbled and shown the door. And then when Jesus being tempted in the wilderness by the enemy, Bible says that the devil takes him to the top of the tallest mountain. He shows him all the kingdoms of the world in all their glory. I will give these to you, the enemy says to Jesus, if you'll just bow down and worship me. What's he saying? He's saying, take your eyes off God and I'll give you the earth. And yet Jesus says, stay humble, keep your eyes on God. I'll give you the heavens and the earth. Jesus responds to the enemy by quoting Deuteronomy 6.13. He says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Don't take inheriting the world into your own hands. Leave it in God's. Being meek means keeping the balance right. You know that you are called, you're chosen, and you're loved, and yet you're also acutely aware that you're undeserving, incomplete, and weak without God. Maybe you've heard that saying, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Well, don't be a big person with a small God. Far better to be a small person with a big God. Keys, you can join me. Jesus Jesus says that it's this meekness in your life that will allow you to inherit the earth. See, if you look back on history, It's always been the people with this gift of self-control, the people with their passions and instincts and impulses under discipline who have been great. William Barclay, he worded it like this. He says, no man can lead others until he has mastered himself. No man can serve others until he has subjected himself. No man can be in control of others until he has learned to control himself. But the man who gives himself into the complete control of God will gain this meekness, which will indeed enable him to inherit the earth. It's clear that this word praus in Greek means far more than this English word meek now means for us. It's clear that there's no adequate English word to completely translate it perfectly, but perhaps gentle is the closest that we've got. Turns out that there's about three different meanings, beautifully intertwined into this Greek word. And when we unpack it, we get a clearer idea of what Jesus was actually saying that day as he delivered the Sermon on the Mount. And so the full translation of this beatitude might read something like this. Oh, the bliss of the man who is always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time, who has every instinct and impulse and passion under control because he himself is God-controlled, who has the humility to realize his own ignorance and his own weakness, for such a man is a king among men. I love that as we unpack the Beatitudes, not only do we get to understand ourselves better, but we get to uncover more of God. Jesus Himself is teaching these valuable lessons, but the lessons are pointing straight back to Him. That's what any good sermon does. It points us straight back to Jesus. He understands that if His listeners can realign themselves, they're gonna better see Jesus for who He really is. When I think of that warhorse, I can't help but think of Jesus. Unrivaled power, capable of battle, all authority of heaven and earth, the ability to save, heal, restore, calm the seas, and cast out demons, powerful and capable, and yet completely conformed and submitted to the will of the Father. This is a beautiful picture of what it looks like to be meek. Being meek doesn't mean being spineless, quiet, passive, and uninspiring. In fact, it means being strong, courageous, talented, excellent, powerful, and influential, but completely submitted to God and His instruction on exactly how you would use all of that. And again, as we finish, I draw our attention to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He cried out, Your will be done, not mine. This is what it looks like to be meek. Not just humble, not just gentle, not just submitted but to be like that on purpose because you realize that a life submitted to God is a life worth living. Powerful, but poised. Capable, but conformed. Incomplete, but in Christ. Let me pray for you this morning, church.